Okay, welcome back to Idiots and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. I'm Lynn. And I'm Rochelle. And, and we're nuts. <laughs> we are having an interesting day. <laughs> we're all over the place. It's great. It's so totally fine. bear with us. Yes. So today we are talking about season two, episode 18, called Hollywood Babylon. We start with a creepy-ass cabin in the woods. It has a chair swing. Uh, that's gently squeaking and swaying. It is. It, I say this because it is exactly the scene from Evil Dead. Like, it looks like the cabin. It's got the swinging chair. Oh. It's Evil Dead. Okay. So, um, there is a girl walking down the front steps with a flashlight. She says, Mitch, Ashley, you out here? And I just want to say that Ashley is totally the name of the guy from Evil Dead. Okay. Which I loved. I mean, you call him Ash, but he, yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> whatever. His name is Ashley. She says, come on, guys. Where are you? Then someone comes up behind her, grabs her shoulder, and she yelps. It's her friend Brody. He says, Ashley and Todd, they're dead. Wendy, they're dead. She says, Brody, pull it together. He says, pull it together. We have a chance to get out of here now. She says, no, Brody, we are not leaving. We have to go find my sister. He says, no, I'm getting out of here right now. And he stumbles away. She yells, Brody, get back here. God, you son of a bitch. She starts to cry. And then someone comes up behind her. She turns around and then starts screaming very cheesily. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we see a filming crew. Na- or f- wait, that's not what we see. Then we see, yes, yeah, so <laughs> <God. All right. laughs> we see a filming crew with a camera right next to her in her face. We are on a horror movie set. So the director named McGee yells, cut. Then the crew sitting next to him, he says, what the hell was that? The girl walks over to him and he says, it's all good, Tara. That was great. Uh, let's do it again. Uh, maybe try dialing up that scream, huh? <laughs> She says, I know, I know. I'm just having trouble with the tennis ball. He says, you know what? That is just for CG registration. Now when Ivan and the FX guys are done, it's going to look terrifying. You want to look at the concept sketches again? He holds open a book with some drawings of a skeleton on fire holding a chainsaw. Okay. I just have to say, like, my mind immediately went to... I, I never saw this movie, but it was, like, Ghost Rider or something, Oh, yeah, right? it does, because like, he's, he's on like, fire. fire, you know, skeleton and all mm-hmm. that whole thing. I was just like, hey, didn't... That, haven't I seen that before? Yeah, it does look a lot like that, but also the <laughs> chainsaw brought it right back to Evil Dead again, so I appreciated that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, this whole... It was kind of funny, like, during the first... I don't remember seeing the first part of this episode and so when I was watching it I was like waiting for something supernatural to happen like yeah well but but and I'm like this is like a stupid campy cheesy horror film and then I was like because it is a stupid campy cheesy (laughs) horror film and it made me happy yes (laughs) so Tara says that's okay I'll find it he says I know you will pumpkin okay a member of the crew says, going again, everybody, 10-minute reload for the camera and sound. Tara sits in a chair next to some crew members. One of them says to the other one, no, man, I'm telling you, working alone behind the sets or after wrap, I catch this weird vibe sometimes, like something's watching. Working on a movie like this, weird crap's bound to happen. The other guy turns to Tara and says, Frank thinks the stage is haunted, like for real. Frank says, all I'm saying is they call rap, I get done, and I get out of here fast. Frank walks away, and the other dude says to Tara, guy is definitely off his meds. (laughs) We cut to Tara back on stage in the fake woods, practicing her lines. She's got a script with her. She says, Brody, come back, you son of a bitch. Then she quietly fake screams. Like, Ah! like, ah. (laughs) She's having real problems with us. (laughs) Then she hears a man moaning. She says, hello, guys? She walks around a bit and says, come on, it's not funny. Okay, haha, very funny. Then she hears some gasping sounds. She walks some more until someone's hat falls at her feet. She looks up and sees Frank all tangled up in cables on the catwalk. He's bloody and not blinking. And she... <laughs> not blinking. I like how you wrote that. <laughs> He's just... bloody and not blinking. His eyes are open very wide. <laughs> she also sees like an image of a man flash and disappear. Then she legit screams. The director and his team hear it, and he says, that's what I'm talking about. And we get our opening title sequence. So we cut to Sam and Dean on one of those big golf cart tour bus things. <laughs> I couldn't think of the right word. I think it's 
It's just it's like a golf cart, like a but like glorified golf cart. Yeah. Really. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> they are touring the studio. Uh, the guide says over the PA first opened in 1927. The lot has been in continuous operation for eight decades. Dean says to the kid next to him, "Hey, you know this is where they filmed Creepshow, and Creepshow is um, written by Stephen King." So that's kind of cool. I don't think I've ever seen it. Maybe. <laughs> I just can't remember now. I definitely haven't. Oh. <laughs> when I first heard Creepshow, I was, I was thinking of like the Crypt Keeper, but that's something totally different. Yeah. So anyways, the tour guy says, now to the right here is Stars Hollow. It's the setting for the television series Gilmore Girls. And if we're lucky, we might even catch one of the show's stars. <laughs> Sam looks spooked and uncomfortable. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. So just so you know, Jared Padalecki was on Gilmore Girls and he played an, a character named Dean, which mm. is freaking hilarious. Yeah. So. Dean and Dean. Mm-hmm. So Sam looks uncomfortable. He jumps off the cart and says, come on to Dean. Dean says, let's finish the tour. But he gets off. They start walking and Dean says, check it out. It's Matt Damon. Sam says, I'm pretty sure that's not Matt Damon. <laughs> Dean says, no, it is. Sam says, well, Matt Damon just picked up a broom and started sweeping. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, he was probably researching a role or something. It's like, okay, what's Sam- thinking, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Sam <laughs> says, hey, this way. I think stage nine's over here. Dean says, come on, man, let's keep going this way. But Sam says, Dean, come on, we gotta work. Dean says, golly. <laughs> Sam says, dude, you wanted to come to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I write that down? <laughs> How important is it that our audience knows Dean says golly right then? I'm questioning everything right now, folks. My whole life. <laughs> okay. Sam says, dude, you wanted to come to L.A. Dean says, yeah, for a vacation. I mean, swimming pools and movie stars. Not to work. <laughs> Sam says, this seemed like swimming pool weather to you, Dean. I mean, it's practically Canadian. Which is hilarious because they are they in, Canada. in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Although, do, do you think for this episode that they actually went to... No. No, no they didn't. Oh. It would have said that in like any interesting facts that I was looking up. Maybe. No. Because they film in other places other than just Vancouver. They drive around sometimes. Not very often, though. Not super often, though. Yeah. But. I don't know. I, I don't think they did. Dean says, yeah, I just figured that, you know, after everything that happened with Madison, you could use a little R&R. That's all. Sam says, maybe I want to work, Dean. Maybe it keeps my mind off things. Dean says, OK, all right. So this crew guy, what, he died on set? Sam says, yeah, rumors spreading like wildfires online. They're saying the set's haunted. Dean says, like poltergeist? Sam says, could be a poltergeist. Dean says, no, the movie Poltergeist. You know nothing of your cultural heritage, do you? <laughs> like, well. <laughs> it was rumored that the set of Poltergeist was cursed, that they used real human bones as props. Like, at least three of the actors died on it. Sam says, yeah, it might be something like that. Sam says the dead man's name was Frank Jaff, or Jaffe. You think it's Jaffe? Gaff? J- Maybe. With a J. Jaff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just go with Jaff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll go with Jaff. Okay. <laughs> Dean asks if there's a coroner's report. Sam says, well, no, but it's L.A., you know. They might not even, it, that might not even be his real name. But the girl who found him, she said she saw something, a vanishing figure. Dean asks what the girl's name is, and Sam says, Tara Benchley. Dean says, whoa, whoa, Tara Benchley. From Fear.com and Ghost Ship, Tara Benchley? Dude, why didn't you say so? Okay, Ghost Ship is legit one of my favorite horror movies, and it is so bad. <laughs> but it's got this great opening scene. It's like this girl, um, this like school-age girl, like elementary school. Mm-hmm. She's on this big ship, and they're having like a dinner party in the middle of this cruise. Yeah, And she's dancing with, she's like, with some older guy like the captain of the ship or something and you see yeah. it's like almost like a final destination moment there's this this like I haven't fishing. seen that either <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you have to at least watch the opening scene of the second one okay we'll talk about that in a minute okay so on this ship there's this like fishing line type wire that's mm-hmm. all rigged up to like snap mm-hmm. and it finally does and it cuts through the dancing crowd literally cuts them in half Ew. and it, it cuts 
in half the guy she's dancing with and he just like the top half of him like slops off and it is so gory and awesome i love this movie i love it i own it (laughs) no one should be surprised anyways this actress is not in that movie so uh dean says dude why didn't you say so sam says so now you're suddenly on board dean Mm -hmm. says i mean i'm a fan of her work it's very good we cut back to set uh a studio executive executive mm-hmm. is saying to the director and another guy, uh, no, don't get me wrong. Everyone at the studio loves the dailies, myself included. We were just wondering if it could be, you know, a little brighter. One of the crew guys says, brighter? And the executive says, yeah, Jay, more color. McGee, who is the director, uh, you know what I'm saying. You're the master of that stuff. McGee says, Brad, this is a horror movie. Brad says, who says horror has to be dark? It's just... It's sort of depressing, don't you think? So Sam and Dean have walked on set, and Brad waves them over. To Dean, he says, Excuse me, green shirt guy? Come here, can you give me a smoothie from Kraft? Dean says, You want a what from who? Brad says, You are a PA. This is what you do. Sam runs up and says, Yeah, one smoothie coming right up. So they walk away, and Dean asks, What's a PA? Sam says, I think they're kind of like slaves. (laughs) (laughs) Sam turns around and gives a thumbs up to Brad, Jay, and McGee. Brad says... They'll let anybody into this business, huh? So we cut to Dean handing out smoothies and checking out the set. He comes to the area where Frank died. He starts walking up the catwalk when the lights dim and the camera starts rolling on Tara and the other actors. Tara says, come on, it'll be fun. Then she starts reading Latin from an old book she's holding. Again, Evil Dead. (laughs) And we see Dean come up on the catwalk, EMFing, but with no (laughs) results. (laughs) Just EMFing all over the place. So we cut to the food area. Dean tells Sam that there's no EMF anywhere. Sam says, great. So what do you think? Dean says, well, I think being a PA sucks. But the food these people get? Are you kidding me? I mean, look at these things. They're like miniature Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. They're delicious. (laughs) He holds out one for Sam, who declines. So Dean starts stuffing his face. I mean, as he he does. Yeah. (laughs) Dean says, what did you find out about the dead crew guy? Sam looks horrified by all the food sticking out of Dean's mouth. (laughs) But says, Frank Jaff was just filling in for the day. Nobody here knew him or where he lived or anything. Dean says, oh, great. So you found out about as much as I did. Sam says, I did dig up some stuff about stage nine's history. Four people died messy here over the past 80 years. Two suicides, two fatal accidents. Dean says, any one of those could be a vengeful spirit. Sam says, yeah, just got to narrow it down more. Dean notices Tara walking around. So he checks her out and says, I'll get right on that. He walks by a crew member holding a stack of papers, so he rips one out of her hands and keeps walking. All the way over to where Tara is sitting, he hands her the paper and says, Hey, are you supposed to get one of these? I don't really know what I'm doing. She says, First day. He says, Yeah, my big break. You know, I know it's totally uncool to say this, but I'm a big fan. I loved you in Boogeyman. She says, Sorry, I pause there because I have seen Boogeyman, and she's not in it. And that was... (laughs) Not a very good movie. <laughs> uh, another one that I haven't seen. Yeah. I actually, I don't even remember. I just remember, like, that I didn't love it. Yeah. But um, I remember the second one more. Yeah, I, I loved it enough to watch the second one. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. whatever. So anyways, he says, I loved you in Boogeyman. She says, oh, God, what a terrible script. But uh, thank you. Dean says, you found him, right? The dead guy? I'm sorry. You probably don't want to talk about this. She says, no, actually, it's okay. Nobody around here really brings it up very much. I think they're all scared. I'm going to have some kind of breakdown. Dean says, that must have been awful. What happened? She says, it was horrible. There was all this blood coming from his eyes, from his mouth, and I uh, saw this shape. Tell you the truth, I don't know actually what I saw. I just know I saw it. Dean says, so this crew guy, Frank, did you know him? She says, no, not that well. Dean says, that's funny. It's like no one around here actually knew the guy. She says, I got his picture. I take Polaroids of all the crew. It's just one of those things you do to kill time on the set. She opens up her photo album, which is conveniently right next to her, (laughs) and shows Dean Frank's picture. Dean says, son of a bitch. We cut to Sam and Dean knocking on Gerard St. Gerard St. James's door. Wow. He answers, and it's Frank. Sam says, you're still alive, and you're not Frank Jaff. Dean says, you were Desert Soldier number four in Metal Storm, the destruction of Jaredson. Uh, 
What is that? The cat. Oh. <laughs> She's rustling around on the on the paper. She thing. did some like knee bumping of me earlier. It really freaked me out because I thought it was you for a minute. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I was like, what? What's happening? What are you doing? Why are you doing? What did I do? <laughs> I know. Uh, so Gerard says, I was. Dean says, I knew I recognized you. I'm a huge fan. I mean, your turn as a tractor crash victim in Critters 3. Wow. So Frank invites them inside. Gerard, I can't say his name. Gerard? Gerard. I'm like Gerard. Like Gerard Butler. Yeah, I know. I just can't spit it out. Every time I read it, I'm saying it like Jared. But it's Gerard. Gerard says, it was the producers. I mean, they brought me in for the day to play Frank. Dean says, just to fake your death? Gerard says, well, rumors of a haunted film set, free publicity, especially when you're making a horror movie. I mean, it's already all over the internet. These days, it's all about new media, building buzz. They say, I'm the new lonely girl. Dean says, who? Sam says, and the ghost Tara saw. Gerard says, projected on a screen of diffusion. Dean says, isn't that kind of cruel, messing with their heads like that? Gerard says, hey, I just play the part. I don't write the script. Speaking of, I'm playing Willie in a dinner theater production of Salesman at Costa Mesa. Costa, Costa, I can't do it right now. <laughs> Costa Mesa, I think. Costa Mesa. Wow. I am Mesa. I am all over the place. It's all good. <laughs> I am so sorry. We are literally exhausted. Like, I don't even know what's happening. We're both just tired. And <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Okay. It's all good. Okay. Uh, Dean says, wait a second. If you're seen in public, won't that ruin the hoax? Gerard says, oh, please. Frank and Willie, totally different characters. Sam says, you know what? Thanks very much, Mr. St. James. It was just nagging at us, but we're very glad you're alive and well. So they all stand up and shake hands. Dean says, hey, I wanted to ask you, what was it like working with Richard Mole? Sam looks at Dean like, who the fuck are you talking about? And Dean tells him he's from Metalstorm. He was Hurok, king of the Cyclops people. <laughs> Gerard says, gentlemen's gentlemen. So we cut to a scene being filmed on set uh, inside the cabin. One of the actors says, when we read from that book, we must have brought them back. When we read from that book, we must have brought them back. Back from hell. <laughs> we see the sound guy listening on his headphones and there's some distortion going on. The director yells cut and the sound guy says, no good for sound. I'm getting some kind of feedback. Everyone groans. We cut to Brad, who's the studio executive guy, um, saying to the director, no, it's a great scene. Really dynamite. But I still got a few, not problems, just questions. For one thing, the rules aren't really landing for me. Like, the kids do this lat- this Latin chant, and that makes the ghost show up? McGee says, yeah. Brad says, if the ghosts are in hell, how do they hear the chanting? I mean, what, do they have super hearing? <laughs> well, it's a logic bump. The rules don't track. Brad says to a dude sitting next to him, Marty, you're the writer. Marty says, what about throwing in an explainer? Brad says, yeah, that'd be super. Excuse me, I gotta check on some messages. He walks away, and Brad says, suits. <laughs> so we cut to Brad on his phone at the edge of the fake woods on set. He notices a girl standing behind him. She's totally black and white, and she's staring at him. Sketchy! Yeah, yeah, she looks weird. <laughs> he points to her body and says, has McGee seen this? I like the whole body paint black and white thing, but gee, I don't think those neck wounds are really gonna read on camera. He gets really close to peer at her neck, and we can see rope marks. He says, they need to be red. You know what I'm saying? He starts to walk away. He starts to walk away. Just to walk away. What's that guy, the Muppet guy? That's like the cook or something. He's like, ah, blur, blur. Yeah. Is that what I just reminded you of? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the cat is like staring at you. She's like, what is happening? So he starts to walk away, and she ghost flashes up behind him and touches his shoulder. He turns around, and she unties her robe and lets it fall on the ground. She's naked. She walks up some nearby stairs, and Brad is smiling while he watches her. He says, wait up. So, oh, I just want to say, this guy who plays Brad, he is on the movie Office Space. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay, he plays, like... Like one of the like managers who's like micromanaging everybody, uh-huh. and he he's like totally famous for being a total douchebag. Oh. So it's he, he like the very actor mo- or just the the character. Wait, the 
the act no the character okay yeah, yeah, yeah. i was like wait hold so, on so so this, yeah. this character that he's playing in this show like yeah. very closely resembles that character oh, okay so it's uh, totally on purpose so funny so uh we cut to mcgee and some other technicians filming the same scene as before the dude actor says when we read from the book we must have brought them back back from hell a girl says i don't understand if they were in hell how could they hear our chanting the dude says they must have super hearing <laughs> Then a body falls through the ceiling. It's Brad hanging from a noose, and he is dead. Deader than a doornail. Yep. Are doornails dead? I mean, are they alive, though? I'm feeling so existential right now. (laughs) (laughs) The look on your face got super serious. You're just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So... We cut to the next day. Mick G and the writer guy and Jay and some other crew are filming a scene. Dean is in the background watching Tara perform while he stuffs his face with food. <laughs> Tara says to the other characters, salt. Okay, we need salt. I read in a book that it keeps ghosts away. The writer says to Jay, the poor bastard killed himself. Like, for real. Shouldn't we shut it down or something? Jay says, we had a moment of silence for him at breakfast. He was just a studio guy. Mick G shushes them. Tara on set yells, can we cut or something? McGee yells, yeah, cut, cut. Dean yells, that's a cut. McGee says to Dean, only I get to say cut. (laughs) So McGee walks over to Tara and says, hey, what's up? She says, I'm just a little upset. McGee says, well, with everything that's been going on around here, who can blame you? Tara says, I just can't wrap my head around the dialogue, you know? Salt. Doesn't that sound silly? I mean, why would a ghost be afraid of salt? Dean smirks in the background. (laughs) McGee says to the writer, Marty, what do you think? Marty says, not married to salt. What do you want? We still sticking with condiments? <laughs> McGee says, hmm, it just sounds different, not better. What else would a ghost be scared of? A PA named Walter standing by Dean says, oh, you got to be kidding me. Marty says to Jay, what would a ghost be scared of? Maybe shotguns? McGee says, that makes even less sense than salt. <laughs> Walter storms away past shotguns Dean. Shotguns with salt. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Walter storms away past Dean and Dean says oh no I'm sorry god damn it it's fine I'm just gonna keep going (laughs) Walter storms away past Dean and says these people are idiots Sam walks up to Dean and says Walter's a little testy for a PA huh so Sam asks him how it's going and Dean says really good Tara has really stepped up her for (laughs) (laughs) why is it so hard god Tara has really stepped up her performance, and I think it's from the sense memory stuff she's drawing on. Sam says, sense memory? Dean, you know when I asked how it's going in here, I'm talking about the case, right? We don't really work here, you know? I thought you hated being a PA. Dean says, I don't know. It's not so bad. I kind of feel like part of the team, you know? (laughs) Sam says, listen, I conned my way into the morgue. News reports are right. Brad's a doornail. No question. There's that dead doornail thing again. Now, but is it alive? Was it ever alive? It's like a chicken in the egg. You can Ugh. just go on. And I know. On and on. So then Dean talks into his headset and says, "Sorry, what?" To Sam. This happens a few times. Dean really likes being a PA. So Sam repeats that Brad is absolutely dead, and Dean says, "I guess it's a good thing we didn't skip town." Come here, I want to show you something. They go over to the sound guy, and Dean says, Hey, Dave, can you play that thing you were playing me earlier? Dave hands Sam some headphones, and he listens to the distortion. They walk away, and Sam says, EVP. Dean says, From the night of Brad's stage dive, all of a sudden, I'm getting electromagnetic readings up the wazoo. (laughs) For some reason, it's a legit haunting now. Sam says, Well, who's ghost, Dean? What's it want? Dean says, I don't know. I think we should take a look at Brad's death scene. So they go into someone's trailer, and Dean pops the DVD into the player. Sam says, now where'd you get this DVD? Dean says, they're called dailies. I got it from Cindy. She's kind of got this on and off thing with Drew. He dumped me an extra copy. (laughs) He totally loves it. So they watch the scene, and Sam has him rewind and pause at a specific moment. We can see the black and white woman standing in the room. Dean says, it's like three men and a baby all over again. Selick, Danson, and Gutenberg. And I don't know who played the baby. (laughs) Sam's like, what's your point? 
Dean says, there's a scene in the movie where people say that the camera caught a ghost on film. Apparently in the background of one of the scenes, there was this boy that nobody remembers from set. Spirit photography. That's a true thing. I've never even seen that movie or looked at that. But what the spirit photography or like no the, no no the, the three men and a baby movie oh yeah. I haven't like I don't even I've heard the name of the name of it mm-hmm. like a ton of times yeah but I don't like I don't even know what genre it's in you know like, I I know, it's, no a, it's an older movie I've never seen it but I I have heard many times that you they caught a ghost on film so. Huh. So Sam has been staring at the black and white woman ghost on TV. He says, I've seen her before. We cut to Sammy doing his online research. <laughs> he says, here, check this out. But Dean is listening to his headset. He says, yeah, go for Ozzy. No, I don't have a 20 on Tara. I think she's 10, 100. Okay, copy that. And then to Sam, he says, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Sam says, Elise Drummond, starlet back in the 30s, had an affair with a studio exec. He uses her up, fires her, leaves her destitute. So Elise hangs herself from stage nine rafters. Right into a scene they're shooting. Dean says, just like our man Brad. So what, she's got it in for the studio brass? Sam says, possibly. I mean, it's a motive, and Brad's death matches hers exactly. Dean says, we're digging tonight, aren't we? <laughs> Cut to all the crew closing up shop for the day. Jay says, great work, everybody. McGee, you're a genius. You're kicking ass and taking names. We cut to Sam and Dean in a graveyard. Dean is holding a map of the graveyard, and they come across a Humpty Dumpty gravestone. Dean (laughs) says, this map is totally worth the five bucks. Hey, we got to check out Johnny Ramone's grave when we're done here. Sam says, you want to dig him up too? Dean says, bite your tongue, heathen. (laughs) Sam says, you know what I don't get? Why now? I mean, after 75 years, Elise Drummond suddenly goes homicidal. Homicidal? Wow. (laughs) Why this movie? Dean says, well, maybe she's mad they're making a scary ghost flick. Sam says, come on, is it really that scary? Um, yes, I think it is. <laughs> so they find her grave, and Dean says, Yahtzee. So they start digging her up. Cut to Jay making his way out of the set, talking on the phone. He says, no, I friggin' hate McGee's dailies. I can't control the guy. I'm telling you. Next one, I'm directing myself. Then he starts reassuring the person on the phone that he loves him. He hangs up and says, what a dick. <laughs> then the lights on set go out. He yells, hey guys, producer walking here, hello. And we cut to Dean, prying open Elise's grave. There's a very old dead body inside. (laughs) They salt and burn it. We cut back to Jay, walking through the fake woods on set. He sees someone ahead with his back turned to him and says, hey pal, can you show me to the exit? I can't see a damn thing. Hey putz, I'm talking to you. Somebody could get hurt here. The guy turns around and like a quarter of his face is separated from his head. Which is gross. (laughs) It is very gross looking. I totally love it. (laughs) Jay freaks out and falls over backwards. Then a huge wind fan turns on and the ghost flickers out. Jay is behind the fan and gets sucked into it. Lots of bloody chunks spray everywhere. (laughs) Okay, here's the one thing that I just like don't get from this scene. Like, this guy is so concerned about getting sucked through this fan but if you look at the fan there's a grate over it like at the very worst he would just get stuck to the fan and not be able to get down until the well, fan turned off. it must just be like heavy duty fan suction you know what I mean? But how is it gonna pull him through those <laughs> tiny little slats? It literally liquefied the guy like how maybe it just like opened up his skin right there and like his inside splatted out and there was still like a body on the other side. I don't know. All that splatter was just like <laughs> interior goo. <laughs> So, anyways. (laughs) So, then we cut to a green preview preview screen. Oh, Jesus, I'm having a hard time. (laughs) We cut to a green preview screen. A voiceover says, they never forgive. They never forget. And this summer, they're coming back again to settle the score. Again. From the producer of Cornfield Massacre, Monster Truck, and the director of Charlie's Angels, Charlie's An- Charlie's Angels 2, Full Throttle, and Hellhazers, comes a new experience in terror. Hellhazers 2, The Reckoning. The scenes shown in the preview are just a montage of footage that we've already seen. Uh, so we cut to Sam and Dean checking out the crime scene. There's police and CSI people everywhere. Sam says, run in with a giant fan. Same thing happened to an electrician back in 66, a guy named Billy Beard. Doesn't seem like Elise this time. Dean says, we already torched her. Are we dealing with another ghost? These things don't usually tag team. Then McGee says, everybody gather around, okay? I got an announcement to make. In light of Jay's accident last night and in cooperation with the authorities, we're shutting down production for a few days. 
Look, I'm not going to lie to you. We've had some setbacks this week, but we all know what Jay and Brad wanted more than anything, and that was to see Hellhazers 2 The Reckoning on screens all across America. Now we owe it to them to go on and pull together and make this damn movie, huh? But not today, so go home. (laughs) But not today. Someone will call you. So we cut to Sam watching dailies in a trailer. Dean walks in and Sam asks him if he found out where the electrician was buried. Dean says that Billy Beard was cremated. He asks Sam if he's seen anything wonky in the dailies. Sam says, not in the last six hours. You know, maybe the spirits are trying to shut down the movie because they think it sucks. Because, I mean, it kind of (laughs) does. So they keep watching the footage, and it's the part where Tara is reading a lot of Latin out of a book. Then Sam rewinds the scene. He says, listen to the invocation. Dean, that's the real deal. A necromantic, a necromantic, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) A necromantic summoning ritual. What the hell is that doing in a Hollywood movie? So we cut to Sam and Dean walking uh, into Marty, uh, the writer's office. Marty says, guys, we're all shut down. What are you still doing here? Sam says, yeah, uh, really sorry, man. We couldn't help ourselves. We just had to tell you that we read the script. Marty says, and? Sam says, yeah, it's awesome. Dean's like, awesome. (laughs) Marty says, I know, it's pretty rockin', right? I'm glad you guys liked it. Sam says, I really liked all the attention to detail. Marty says, dude, right on. That's my thing. I mean, you know, color me guilty, but that is me. I'm a total detail buff. Sam says, no, I can tell. I mean, the way you worked in all those Enochian summoning rituals and all the authentic language. Marty says, what? You mean that Latin crap? No, man, that's Walter. Walter Dixon, the original writer. You like that garbage? Dean says, Walter the PA Walter? Marty says, no, he's not a PA. He's got a clause in his contract that allows him to come on set. Dean says, but he wrote in invocations? Marty says, he wrote a whack job screenplay. There's no pace. There's no love interest. It's all wackadoo exposition. I had to cut like 90% of it just to make it readable. Another 10% to make it good. So we cut to Sam and Dean reading Walter's screenplay. Dean says, should have kept Walter's original script. It's actually pretty good. Sam says, yeah, and it reads like a how-to manual of conjuration, like a textbook on how to summon ghosts. And get them to do whatever you want. Dean says, yeah, like kill people. (laughs) Sam says, yep. So let's say somewhere down the line, Walter learned some pretty black magic. Dean says, yeah. And let's say he's pissed off at these people for wrecking his movie. Sam says, motive and means. So we cut to Marty, the writer, reading with Walter on set in the fake woods. Marty says, so you wanted to meet? Hey, I'm a little busy here, buddy. I'm working on a script. Walter says, oh, yeah, you guys worked on a lot of it. Marty says, it needed work. Now, why couldn't we have done this in my office? Walter says, you know, the history, the lore in my draft was completely accurate. We could have gotten it right for the first time ever in this whorehouse of a town, but you tore it to shreds. You replaced it with cleavage and fart jokes. (laughs) It was real. Marty says, who gives a rat's ass about real? We're talking about ghosts here, Walter. There's no such thing. Walter says, that's where you're wrong. Then he holds up a necklace with a creepy ass pendant on it and starts Latin chanting. Marty says, okay, nut job, end of meeting. He turns around, and right in front of him is a spirit from before with a separated head. It's like the, uh, what is it, the faith. Um, the, the lady, the, the pastor's wife, is it, it's like the same thing. It's, I mean, I think it's the same kind of thing, but. No, I mean, not the same exact thing, but yeah. like the, yeah, it's the same, like, it's chanting some... and weird, except yeah. for, you know. Not Reaper, but... <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So then the giant fan turns on and the spirit starts dragging Marty towards it. Walter says, you ruined it, Martin. Everything I worked for. Now you're going to find out what being a ghost is like. Marty is screaming for help when suddenly the spirit gets some rock salt shot into him by Dean. Marty says, you are one hell of a PA. Dean says, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sam advances on Walter, who says, what are you doing? Sam says, could ask you the same thing, Walter. Raising these spirits from the dead, making them murder for you, that's playing with fire, Walter. Walter says, you don't understand. Look, you put your heart and soul into something, years of hard work, years, and then they take it and they crap all over it, and then they want you to smile and say thank you. Sam says, Walter, listen, it's just a movie. That's it. Walter says, look, I got nothing against you, man. You're not part of this. Just please leave. But Martin's got to stay. Dean says, sorry, can't do that. It's not like we like him or anything. It's just a matter of principle. Walter says, then I'm sorry, too. He holds up his weird bone necklace again and starts chanting. A bunch of ghosts appear. They start walking towards the boys, but then suddenly disappear. Then Sam gets thrown by an invisible force. Dean grabs him, and they all start running. They hide inside the fake cabin. 
Noon says, come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Which is a line from um, Die Hard. One of Bruce Willis's lines from Die Hard. I just watched that movie for the first time oh, really? the other day. And I don't remember that. Oh. <laughs> I'm was... firmly on team Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Everyone I says mean, that it's not, but I think it is. I, I mean, okay. Action movies aren't quite my thing. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it was an okay movie. It wasn't like, do I need to watch it again? No. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I think it would... I don't think it's, like, a Christmas movie, as in, like, it's talking about, like, Santa or reindeer or anything right, like right. that. But it is, like, they make a lot of references to, like, this is Christmas Day, or, and this is a Christmas party, and talking mm-hmm. about Christmas all the time. And right. it's like, well, Merry Christmas to you, or whatever. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's a Christmas movie. It's, like, based on Christmas Day, or yeah. Eve, or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but... Right. Well, I like the movie. I like all of the movies that they've done. Wait, there's more than one? Oh my god, there's, like, four. <laughs> Maybe five. <laughs> Definitely four, at least. So, uh, then Dean realizes that the cabin they're hiding in has no back wall. It's just open. Marty says, I can't freaking believe this. Ghosts are real, but I don't understand. How is Walter controlling them? Sam says, probably that talisman. Then Sam pulls out his phone. He says, if film cameras pick these suckers up, then maybe. He uses his camera on the phone to look around the room and sees a ghost in there with him. He shouts to Dean where the ghost is, and Dean rock salt shoots it. Sam hands the phone to Marty and says he's going after Walter. Marty says to Dean, I cannot believe there's an afterlife. Dean says, there's an afterlife, all right, mm-hmm. but mostly it's a pain in the ass. So we cut to Sam confronting Walter. Sam says, it's over, Walter. Now give it to me. But Walter smashes the talisman on the ground and says, there, okay, now no one can have it. Sam says, I wouldn't have done that if I were you. Walter's like, oh, yeah, why not? Sam says, because you just freed them. We can't stop them now. Walter, you brought them back, forced them to murder. They're not going to be very happy with you. Then Dean and Marty bust into the room. Walter suddenly gets attacked by something invisible. Marty holds up the phone and looks through the camera, and we see the ghost tearing him up. So we cut to a scene in the movie being filmed. One of the girls is holding up a phone, looking through the camera to see the ghost. She says, but I don't understand. How come the spirits appear in the camera phone? The dude says, the video must pick up their frequencies in a way our eyes can't. McGee is totally thrilled and yells, cut! Sam quietly says to Marty, you find out there's an afterlife and this is what you do with it? (laughs) Marty says, I needed a little jazz on the page. Jazz on the page? (laughs) He's unusually calm for everything that's just happened. He's just like totally excited. He's got something else to write about. I've got material now. Yeah. So we cut to outside Tara's trailer. It's rocking, folks. (laughs) Dean comes out of it just as Sam is walking by. Tara is standing in the door wearing a robe. She says to Dean, you're one hell of a PA. (laughs) Dean says, thank you. She looks very satisfied. (laughs) So Sam and Dean walk away. Dean says, God, I love this town. And credits. (laughs) Okay. And at the very end where they're like walking off into the sunset or whatever. Right, right. Um... I thought it was kind of, like, I was just waiting for them to run into the wall. You know, I know like, it looked like they were just going to just smash right into it. I was it. like, come on. Like, this, it would be so funny if they were just like, thunk, oh, wait, no, never mind, this way, or no, something like that. But yeah, yeah. didn't happen. I was, like, waiting for it, and then the credits hit, and I was like, no! I know. <laughs> Why not? But, okay, I have thoughts. <laughs> okay. So... That lady's voice, the actress, the Tara, yeah, whoever, yeah. she has such a deep voice. She really does. And, like, it's not a bad thing, but I just, like, at the very beginning of the episode, I was kind of like, whoa. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, like, I didn't notice it that much, but. I did. I think, well, I don't know if I, like, noticed it that much. I think it was just, like, how they introduced her maybe at the beginning. I think I might have. Thought because like don't they have her voice and then her then they show her or something? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. But like, if it, I don't know. The only thing I could think of is that maybe it was like something like that sort of situation. And so I like heard the voice and then saw her and then I was like, what is life? Yeah, I don't know. I think you see her and then her voice happens, but I might be wrong. I don't know. I have no. Yeah, I really don't remember at all. Yeah. But like, yeah. Anyways, I was just 
surprised at how deep her voice was. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I love that Dean got himself a job in this episode, and it was all eating and gossiping. <laughs> and he was so good at it. I know. Like, it was, it was really, really cute. He yeah. was super into it. It was, it was great. Um, but also, okay, the monster truck in the previews mm-hmm. definitely looked like the racist truck from... <laughs> it totally was. They, yeah. They used... For that whole preview, anytime they flash on something, it was something from a previous episode. See, and I didn't recognize any of the other stuff oh, except really? for the truck. I don't remember the other things to know if I recognized, but I did. Cor- I did look at the truck and was like, like, "That's a cornfield, the truck." Maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. It, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. Whoops. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, it was interesting. But those are my thoughts. There wasn't many of them, but they were thoughts. So, uh, what was your favorite part of the episode? I know you love this question. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I never prepared? I, uh, okay. Um, I think I liked the whole trailer rocking scene. <laughs> I just, I liked it. I liked, I liked it when they came out of the trailer and she was just looking so thrilled with life. <laughs> And she's like, you're one hell of a PA. He's like, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought that was funny. What's yeah. your favorite moment? Um, you know, this one, I think probably, I think probably my favorite part about it, it wasn't really a moment, but just like the fact that Dean got a job and it was just eating junk food and like, oh, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so said and you wouldn't believe what so-and-so yeah, did. Yeah. And just like, oh my gosh, and the 10-4 and all that, you know, like, right, right. whatever, 10-22, I think it was, or, yeah, like, it was kind of like, okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's pretty good. It, it, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> so, our interesting facts from this episode, um, when Dean mentions that he wanted to come to California for swimming pools and movie stars, um, lines from the theme song to the Beverly Hillbillies, I haven't seen that movie. Um, Have you seen Beverly Hillbillies? So, that's not a movie. Oh, then what is it? I'm <laughs> like, I haven't show. seen it. It's a okay. TV show. No. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I have it. It's an old, like, black and white oh, okay. TV show. Um, I have, like, the best of the Beverly Hillbillies or something mm-hmm. on DVD. Like, after my grandpa passed away, like, he had this DVD collection or whatever, and so we all kind of, like, picked through and, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, let's, you know, I-, I want this or this or let's, you know, are yeah, you yeah. going to watch this sort of thing? And uh, that's how I started my Heartland DVD collection oh. because he had the first episode of all things. I'm like, what? Fun. It was interesting. But, um, so, it's... <laughs> It's kind of like slapstick-ish. It's basically the whole premise of this is a bunch of hillbillies that get rich and buy this house in, you know, Beverly Hills. Yeah. And, like, they call, they have, like, a pool in the backyard and they call it the cement pond, you know? It's okay. like, all these, like uh, one of the characters' names is Jethro. And he's got a sister named Jethrina. Oh, no. Right? Yeah. But it's played by the same guy. It's like the guy dresses oh. up as his sister, you know? Like, oh, my God. And so, and I don't think, I don't know if they're ever in the same, they're never in the same scene. It's just like all of the scenes with Jethrina is the same guy just dressed up as Jethrina, you know, okay. and playing Jethrina. And then the him playing Jethro as, mm-hmm. you know, his, I don't know. It's just a whole thing. It's, okay. It, it sounds funny. It's funny. It's it's kind of stupid, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It tickles my fancy. <laughs> yeah, I'll totally watch so, it sometime. I yeah. seriously thought it was a movie. I feel really stupid. Yeah, no. I, I think there was a movie. Okay. Maybe, but I know, like, it's a TV show. Yeah. But, yeah, at some point, I'll have to, once I find all of my um, DVDs and stuff from under my parents' house, mm-hmm. it's in there somewhere. I'll okay. have to bring it over. And yeah, I'll yeah. That sounds watch good. Watch the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, so, um, swimming pools, movie stars. Sam replies that it's not the swimming pool weather as it's practically Canadian because, you know, they film in Vancouver, so. Right. Canada. (laughs) Um, so when Dean tells Tara that she was great in Boogeyman, she says it was a horrible script. The script to Boogeyman was written by supernatural creator Eric Kripke. Yep. (laughs) Yep. He threw himself right under the bus. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Um. 
Okay. I was like, I just read that. What am I doing? The fact that the main actress likes to take Polaroids of the cast to kill time is a reflection of Jensen Ackles' pastime on set. He takes photos of his fellow cast and crew between takes. So I kind of wonder. So during the... um, the the bloopers for mm-hmm. the season they always at the very end have a bunch of pictures you know yeah. like it flashes through a bunch of pictures like is that their like that's what he does and he just like takes a bunch of pictures and they throw them into the bloopers at the end i think or, so like, they don't do that in the later seasons i think they just do that in the first like two or three seasons have oh, pictures of the crew and the bloopers i thought that they maybe did I'm it wrong. in all of them maybe i'm wrong i could totally not remember. be remembering correctly yeah. but yeah like that'd be interesting if it was him that was doing that it. that would be really cool um so the director of the film being shot in the episode is named mcgee they said mcgee was also the director of charlie's angels one and two this is a nod to supernatural's executive producer mcgee who really was the director of charlie's angels one and two huh I like those movies. (laughs) Again, something I haven't seen. (laughs) You haven't seen the Charlie's Angels movie? I mean, I've seen clips of it like everybody has, but like I haven't seen any. Lucy Liu just shines. (laughs) (laughs) I am not being sarcastic. Yeah. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) The the look, the nod. I love her. Yeah. She's pretty amazing in these movies. You, You would like them. They're funny. Yeah. For sure. I think I've seen like. At some point, I think I did see, like, part of one of the movies. Maybe somebody was, like, playing it. Or, like, I saw, like, I came into something, like, the last... Oh, I think so. I went over to one of my friend's house houses, and they were playing the movie, and I showed up, and I saw, like, the last 20 minutes of a okay. movie or something like that. So I had no idea what was going on. I'm pretty sure I own them. <laughs> like I'm almost positive. You have, I love your big binder with all the DVDs in it. I have like, six of those. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> I mean, most of them are Eric's, honestly. Well, but I mean, um, still, it's impressive that you guys have that big of a DVD collection. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> well, and a lot of them though are like, seasons of things too yeah. so that's gonna be extra yeah. discs right. and stuff anyways but anyways so some of the notes that the studio executive gives the crew are notes that supernatural actually received from the cw which did they read any of the notes or no was it's, it- it's like when the executive was like you know why does a horror movie have to be so dark it needs to be brighter oh. or why would a ghost be afraid of salt it's all that kind oh, of that stuff, stuff. Okay, yeah that's what they're talking about okay the, the, yeah the cw actually said that to them yeah I thought you meant like notes, like written notes. No, no, like, no. I read it as like, when did they get a packet full of notes? All right. Like, what? Nope, nope. Eh, I pay attention. It's great. Okay. So Walter Dixon, the original screenplay writer, and Martin Flagg, the new writer, are both references to the character ultimately known as Marilyn in the Dark Tower series written by Stephen King. Okay. So that series <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> it is like, so, so Stephen King... He's written, I, I don't even know how many books, and then he wrote this series called The Dark Tower, mm-hmm. and all of his, mo- not all of them, but most of his books fit inside this world. Huh. So there's characters from different books that show up in the Dark Tower series. It's just like all this major like mind fuck where he creates this whole universe, mm-hmm. and they all fit inside the Dark Tower. It's brilliant and amazing. Huh. Yeah. That would... Is is a, like kind of like an Inception sort of um, thing, like not, different I, realities or like more like par- well, <laughs> it's kind of confusing. Well, that was your knuckle cracking, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's confusing. I, I guess there's more like different, like like almost like parallel universes, kind of like that. Yeah, but um, I can't really. I can't really explain it without going on for an hour. So. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> yeah. we. I mean, I swear, we need to be, like, writing this list down as we go. I know. Because we're not going to go back through all these episodes like, and, like, say, what, what did we need to watch again? Well, yeah. I own all of the Dark Tower books if you need to read them. And I, I still think that have... you should. <laughs> I got the Game of Thrones books from mm-hmm. somebody. Um, and... Okay, way different than the TV show. Like, really? in the sense of, like, you know, HBO took a lot of liberties of, like, having naked people everywhere. Yeah, and, yeah. like, 
the, all the sex scenes and all that sort of stuff where like in the books it's like okay you know they still it's the same plot line the same storyline but they don't like talk about a lot of that sort of stuff it's more of like and then they knew each other and then they move on to the next thing you know like oh, really? that sort of stuff so it's, yeah. not, it's kind of like well HBO has to like sex it up yeah know, so so it's interesting because everybody's you know a lot of people are like oh games game of thrones is so inappropriate it's like well i mean the show definitely right <laughs> but like the books aren't that bad like they allude to a lot of things and like you know that they're happening it's not like up for interpretation you yeah. know that they're happening but they don't like go into detail about any of right. it so it's kind of like eh, okay they did that with true blood too did you true blood was on hbo wasn't it I have no God, idea. <laughs> I'm probably totally wrong about the network, but I think it was HBO. Yeah. But the books are like, are like, yeah. We, I don't know if you can hear Rochelle's <laughs> husband snoring in the background. He is in a whole nother room with the door closed <laughs> and he is snoring. It's kind of amazing. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Okay, let's see if we can. <laughs> we'll have to play it back and see if we can hear it. But True Blood is like a, it's like a romantic comedy almost. There's like murder mysteries, but it's like those like, they're like cozy mysteries where they're very like low key and I don't know. And then the TV show, they made just like a big naked sex fest, you know? (laughs) So they were good, but they didn't really follow the books. So yeah, no, this, I mean, it does follow the books. Like I feel like as I'm reading the book, I'm, like, remembering the scenes and, like, who says what and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it stays at least so far. I'm not – I'm, like, halfway through the first book. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems to be pretty – like, it stays true to the – well, I guess I should say this series stays true to the books. Okay. But, yeah. So, anyways. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Okay. That's okay. <laughs> so our research for this week um, was about uh, the Poltergeist films because, you know, in one part of it, it was, they're basically saying like, oh, you know, like the Poltergeist where all these different hauntings and stuff happen. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I looked up Poltergeist haunting and it says, this is from grunge.com. It's the bizarre things that have happened on the set of Poltergeist. Ooh. So, you know, stuff. So it says, first, there were all the cast deaths. So, um, part of the whole reason people remember it is that a lot of the cast, well, it says so many of its cast members, including two of the child stars from the films, died unexpectedly after the film was released. Um, the first instant happened when Dominique Dunn, who portrayed Dana in the original film, was strangled to death by her ex-boyfriend in the driveway of her home in 1982. Oh, my God. She passed away five days later at the age of 22. It was rumored that her friend, who was present during the argument, was listening to the Poltergeist soundtrack at the time to block out the noise of their quarreling outside. Wow. Weird. Um, Then in 1988, child star Heather O'Rourke died at the age of 12 from cardiac arrest after experiencing septic shock from a congenital bowel obstruction. Oh, man. That's so awful. Jeez. She completed, or she'd completed filming on the third installment of the Poltergeist franchise a few months before her unexpected death, but the film had yet to be released at the time. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Other cast members would play their later perished from more natural causes. The expiration of the film's two young actresses caused many to speculate that their involvement with the movie had something to do with their untimely demises. Spooky stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, there was a set accident that almost cost another kid his life. Um, Before Dunn and O'Rourke's deaths, there was another eerie incident which nearly claimed the life of one of the Freeling children off-screen. Actor Oliver Robbins, who portrayed the middle freeling child, Robbie, was strangled by the very animatronic clown that tormented his character in the film. If it weren't for the intervention of producer Steven Spielberg, he's not sure what would have happened to him. Nothing good, probably. Yeah. Like, the animatronics strangled him? Like, a clown, an animatronic clown strangled him, Mm -hmm. which means he was either, like, messing around with it and like I got think, caught in it somehow i or... might be wrong but i think that in the movie the clown the the robot clown is strangling him oh. and, I, and i think that in real life it actually was strangling him oh. or it wasn't supposed to actually strangle him just look yeah. like it was yeah that's what i think okay 
Yeah, I haven't seen the movie, so, or movies. I have, or but it was so long ago, I don't remember. I actually listened to um, a podcast that covered this whole thing. And oh, yeah. I, that's what I, I think I remember. I might be just completely lying to you. <laughs> I have no but idea. I think so. I'll take it, because I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, as Robbins recalled to Icons of Fright, the way they shot the sequence, they didn't really have the special effects the way they do today. So, the clown doll... Oh, there we go. So, the clown doll had this extended arm, and they had me act backwards in a tight, confined space under the bed. It was then that the doll's arm began to choke his neck. The contraption caught around my neck. Steven saw that, probably in the video assist, and pulled me away from it. Who knows what might have happened otherwise. It was very fast. Maybe I wouldn't be here today. That's so scary. (laughs) Yeah, it says, as if the demonic clown wasn't already scary enough. Well, for real. <laughs> so another actor from the original was in a plane crash. Um, as if the cast fatalities and near-death experiences weren't numerous enough, actor Richard Lawson, who, fun fact, is Beyonce's stepfather as of two- 2015. Wow. Which, I mean, it's 2018 now, so yeah, who knows, but... Not for much longer. <laughs> I know, right? Um... But so Richard Lawson was in a plane crash in 1992 that claimed the lives of 27 of the 51 passengers on board, including the person who was in his original seat on the flight. Lawson said that he was gifted a first class seat after giving a fan his autograph and the switcheroo saved his life. So does that mean that like the person that switched with him, like did he die then? Are they mean like, okay, so What a freaking way to go. <laughs> like, hey, listen, can I have your autograph? Sure, okay. Oh, you should take my seat because you were nice and gave me my, your autograph. Yeah. Okay, great, awesome, thanks. Well, now I'm going to die because I gave you my first class passenger seat. Right. that sucks. <laughs> I bet he felt awful about that too. Like, oh, we I'm would sure, have the yeah. worst, like, survivor's guilt. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, it's all... It, it's all coincidental, you know, like, there's mm-hmm. nothing anybody could have done about it, but still, it's kind of like, that would have been me if it weren't for, I mean, at first, it's probably like, holy cow, that would have been me if it weren't for that, and then it was right. like, but it should have been because he was nice enough to give me his seat, you know? Yeah. Like, ugh. So, it says, standing alone, the story might seem like a mere coincidence, but with the breadth of the cast's eerie experiences, many considered this yet another installment in the poltergeist curse effects. Um... And so it says that they were real skeletons. Uh, it says those are real skeletons you saw there. Achieving authenticity in a Hollywood production can be tough, especially in sci-fi horror realm, but it might, but this might be taking things a little too far. <laughs> um, it says the scene where when the Freeling mom is thrown in a muddy pool and all these corpses start to float to the surface around her, um, Spielberg opted to use real human remains as props for that scene which might have been at least a partial source of the film's supposed curse so like she's literally swimming around in mud in mud with dead people with dead people yep that's disgusting that is disgusting i would okay i would hope that she didn't know it until they put her in there mm-hmm. because then like I wouldn't have gotten in a muddy pool with dead bodies that are just going to come popping up at the surface. Yeah, I would not either. No way. Ew, that's like... You'd have to pay me a lot of money. A lot of money. That's dead people soup right there. That's what you're swimming in is dead people soup, and it's disgusting. None of it should be happening. Yeah, that is gross. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. Um... So, actress Jo Beth Williams confirmed, um, saying, I also hated working in the muddy er, swimming pools with skeletons around me. When we were shooting, I thought the skeletons were fake. I thought the prop department made them. But later I found out that they were real skeletons bought very cheaply. That really grossed me out. (laughs) Oh, my God. So she didn't know. No. Dude. Which, oh, I mean, thank goodness. Yeah. I'd rather, like, have it happen and then learn about it than, like, learn about it as it's happening or mm-hmm. before it happens, you know? Right. But, ugh. So, there was also some hauntings at the actors' homes. Um, Williams experienced in a series of frights in her temporary home during production, um, during the first 
version of Poltergeist. Um, she said that the picture on her apartment wall kept shifting while she was le- while she left to shoot the movie, but she later decided it was her own fault for slamming the front door. That's still just conjecture, but you know, <laughs> that's creepy. Yeah. Um, author James Kahn, who was novel who was novelizing the movie, also experienced a case of the heebie-jeebies when a lightning bolt struck his building as he was finishing up the project and blew the facing of his air conditioning unit across the room and it struck him in the back oh my god <laughs> like that is so crazy how unfortunate um, that would hurt yeah so bad <laughs> after that the lights came back on and his video games started playing themselves what wow. <laughs> we wonder what he thinks of games we wonder what he th- thinks of games that they play themselves nowadays being wait what this doesn't this sentence does not make any sense anyways moving on so <laughs> Director Jill Gill, I'm going with Gill, Ken, Keenan Kennan, mm-hmm. had perhaps the biggest case of shivers surrounding Poltergeist while filming the 2015 remake. Um, he wrote that the house he rented for production was the site of some minor inexplicable, minor inexplicable phenomena, like lights flickering on and off for no reason, and other equipment not only working in certain or and only oh my goodness <laughs> okay we're both struggling today <laughs> and other equipment only working in certain portions of the property i used a lot of aerial drone photography in the film this is him talking mm-hmm. and the drone pilots were never able to lock in the gps signal in the field we would have to move 10 feet away to launch the craft um but it was in his own personal house that what really freaked him out so the house that he rented during filming was um, haunted by a female spirit dressed in black. He said, uh, I became aware of her within the first few days of staying in the house, and only after I left did I receive a call from the previous owner who had moved back in, who was terrified by the going on in the house, uh, goings-on in the house, and wanted to see if I had experienced any of it. Um, she definitely was there. It didn't follow me back to Los Angeles, but it followed me from set back to where I was sleeping during the filming. Oh, that's so creepy. Yuck. Mm. Um... If that story was just some elaborate marketing ploy, it worked because there are plenty of people who fully believe that there is something otherworldly going on with the Poltergeist movies. Um, and there was other oddities on set. Um, so, okay, hold on. There was the actress Zelda Rubenstein. Zelda Rubenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, was troubled by a photographic light blur that occurred during a photo session of the actress, leading her to believe that the pic was taken at the exact moment that her mother passed away. Wow. Interesting. Um, The production of Part 3 was also an explosive one, as the garage that was to be used for filming caught fire after plastic fake ice poured onto prop cars, ignited into flames, and injured three crew members. (laughs) A ball of fire chased everyone out of there, a fire chief responding to... So the fire chief said, a ball of fire chased everyone out of there. There was black smoke all over the place. It was all supposed to be done in the best of taste, but somehow it got away. (laughs) That's crazy. Good grief. Um, The cause of the mishap, he said, was unexplained since the crew on set were amply prepared to pull off the shot correctly when they begin working that night. (laughs) It's those skeletons we are telling you. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Flame oh. So yeah, you know, chased by fireballs, people, you know. That's pretty yeah. crazy. Mm-mm. I mean, that's a lot of stuff for one franchise. Yeah, yeah. Three movies, right? So I don't know how many. Yeah. I, Did it say three? I think, yeah. There's, okay. I mean, they only talked about up to three, at okay. least. I don't know. But yeah, that's... Nope. That's <laughs> enough. That's enough for me. I, <laughs> I believe that they're cursed. It's a big fat nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is your idiot or ass butt moment from this week? Okay, so I've been on a candle kick, which is kind of ridiculous to say, but um, we do not, you know, since Killian's been born, we haven't lit any candles in our house, so it's been four years. (laughs) So I very recently have purchased some new candles Mm -hmm. from Target, because that's my new home. And um, I got this one that's like holiday smelling, it's like holiday spruce or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, this is perfect for, you know, right now. Mm -hmm. So I go home, and I light it, and everything's glorious and wonderful, and it's, you know, smelling up the whole house. Eric comes home. And he's like, wow, I really like this candle. I'm like, perfect, great, you know, thank God. And um, we're sitting there, and he's making dinner, and I'm like, wow, this smell really reminds me of something. It reminds me of a place. Where does it remind me of? 
And I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, and I finally realize it smells like Eric's parents' house. <laughs> exactly like their house. Yeah. And I was like, Eric, does this smell like your Rhode Island house? And he was, and he just like bust up laughing. He's like, I thought you knew. I thought that's why you did it. <laughs> but apparently his mom makes like real spruce wreaths. Oh, yeah. So their house just like smells like spruce all the time. Well, that means that the candle did a good job. <laughs> it did. I just felt so stupid. Like I was like, well, this will smell great. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's not stupid. I wasn't trying to smell like his old home. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I just felt like kind of like a dumbass. <laughs> I like the smell. It smells good. Yeah. But, yeah. What yeah. was your idiot or but moment? <laughs> so my idiot or but moment, I'm embarrassed. So I went, so we went Christmas shopping and, you know, we go through and I got super excited and I went and I got you your Christmas present mm-hmm. and I got, you know, Raquel her Christmas present and Jessica her Christmas present and I'm in Marshalls and I'm like, great. And I'm like, I got so excited about all the gifts for like all the girls yeah, yeah. that I completely forgot to get something for Killian and I was like, I'm so a horrible girlfriend. No, like, <laughs> no, like, no, you don't oh, have no. to get him anything. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just go to a different store or whatever and get some, but I was like. Oh, no. <laughs> I felt terrible because I was like, the poor kid. Like, what a horrible girlfriend I would be if I didn't even give him a Christmas present. <laughs> That's so like, funny. Oh, no. But yeah. So, anyways, I hope he likes his Pokemon pajamas. <laughs> um, he will love them. And thank you very much. Yes, no problem. He will totally love them. He's all about the Pokemon right now. I know. It was so funny. Last time I came over, he was like, Super, it was Evie, Evie, Evie. I, it's Evie. Yeah, the little like pokeball thing. He was he kept like stuffing her in the pokeball and then like putting the little thing on his finger and like flicking it out and yeah, like, she'd go flying out and he's like ah, you know, and he like <laughs> stuff her back in and then <laughs> yeah. fling her back out again, <laughs> stuff her back in and then fling her back yep, out again. Yep, we got that for his birthday. Yeah. I'm so glad he liked it. So I was like, is this gonna be lame after like five minutes of him just like popping her out? But, <laughs> but he liked it because you get to throw something mm-hmm. and not have it like be a bad thing yeah. yeah well he'll love his new pokemon pajamas he, <laughs> he has a pokemon shirt that he doesn't get to wear right now because it's like winter and oh, yeah. it's like a it's one of those like short sleeve like kind of workout shirt material oh, so yeah. he's not really like wearing it and he's so bummed about it he's always like i don't wear my pokemon shirt and i'm like sorry <laughs> you gotta be warmer than that like yeah it's too cold for that nonsense right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So he'll love it so thank you no problem well thank you so much for listening to our podcast you know what this one was a little bit rough <laughs> so thank you for bearing with it yeah I'm sorry I, I don't know what happened we're both just exhausted and my notes didn't really make sense and I can't read apparently <laughs> but thank you very much you can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com the word and is spelled out or visit our Facebook page idgitsandaspets a supernatural podcast thanks again thank you